This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> it, just, it starts earlier and earlier every time I pod with you. Just can't even get the words out. Um, <laughs> what, did I, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, joining me today is someone that I have not talked to since the Knicks season ended. Um, it's been... It feels like it's been a month since the season ended. It is, has not been a month. It's been 10, 10 days, I think. Something along those lines. Um, Benji Ritholtz. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. You made that sound like you haven't spoken to me like at all. Like we we, well, we, we just cut we cut ties in the offseason. <laughs> Nick's <laughs> basketball is the only thing that brings us together. And once that ends, that's it. No that's use it. for you. I hear. Um, no, we we talk. I'm thankful that we get a chance to talk and <laughs> bullshit every day. Um, but uh, we have we have not talked in front of a, a camera that is no, recording the things that true. we are, are saying. Um, so it's good. It's good to do this. Uh, so uh, a little behind the scenes, we were just we were. This is gonna be a, a slightly shorter episode than we we usually do because um, I don't know how to work a computer, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> but we were just talking. Uh, you know, kind of off mic uh, about, you know, well, we haven't really talked about, you know, the Knicks losing to Miami. And then Andrew chimed in and he's like, well, does anything else really need to be said about that? So I don't know how much we'll, we'll talk about that today, but it may come up in the context of our conversation about just the playoffs and like what we have learned and what we are learning and whether there is anything to be learned other than um, be good at basketball and be a good basketball team. And if you do those things, Good things will happen. Uh, before we get to any of that, uh, Carmelo Anthony announces retirement. Uh, hmm. I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with you about Melo, which maybe speaks to how important Melo is or is is not to me. Uh, but I am curious how important he is or is not to you. So I'm just going to throw it to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on Melo announcing his retirement? I think he's important to any Knicks fan. Um, certainly the younger ones, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm younger one anymore, but like, since they were, me. meaning since they were good, like at 99, I was seven years old. I barely even remember it. So for me, it's, it's, it's other than the current iteration of the team. It's, it's the only success, somewhat sustained success that I experienced. So I think, I think despite maybe underwhelming, um, an underwhelming amount of team success for a, you know, a superstar like him through those two and a half, three years or whatever it was. And then obviously the end of it was pretty awful. Um, yeah. I think it has an outsized level of importance to Knicks fans of my age and younger um, because that was the only <laughs> fun times we had um, through 20 plus years of fandom. So yeah, he's very important. Uh, that era was very important to kind of fostering my love of the team love of the sport. 
Um, so it was, yeah. I mean, I think when he announced his retirement, I think it it kind of stirred up some nostalgia and some and some, you know, just thinking back. And he um, he did mean a lot. I, I think, you know, we can talk about kind of who he was as a player and and some of his shortcomings. Uh, he had more certainly more positive attributes than negative ones. And um, it was a fun few years of Knicks basketball when, when it was going. Yeah. I, I was, I've been thinking about Melo a lot the last couple of days because it's it, it, for a lot of different reasons, but something that has struck me is not like that. It, it's not the fact that people are maybe saying, Oh, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, I don't think, you know, he should have his jersey retired by the next. It is the veracity, 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 with which people are arguing against it to the point where it's like, oh, come on, you're, you're going to retire his jersey. Then we, you know, like, how, how do you do that and not have Bernard King or, you know, I like, or you're crazy for retiring the guy's jersey. The guy won one playoff series in his time here. And like this, it's just, it's incredible that there's that level of, I mean, it really does border on like hatred. Um, for a player that like was he was unequivocally a great player, and you just like look at and I I look I I get it the, I looked up the advanced stats today because I I think that has a lot to do with it because he came about in like right at the beginning of the era where people were really starting to pay attention to this shit, and it's like during the years that he played the only player who scored more points was LeBron James, and yet if you do the same sorting for like. Vorp or, you know, efficiency or like, you know, win shares, like he gets further and further down the list. And I, that's all has to has has to do with it. Um, even so, though, man, it's like it's crazy. This guy, I mean, the dude, he produced. I mean, God, did he produce? And it's just, it's I, I really do feel like he has one of the more complex legacies of any athlete that I can remember watching, you know, certainly in New York, but maybe, you know, anywhere. Yeah, it, he. What you just said kind of really struck a chord. He did come about in an era, the, the kind of the transition. Yeah. Um. Of, on the court too. For, forget about how we look at the how we analyze the sport on the court too. Yeah, and of the right, and 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 just the way we kind of look at it. And I actually, for me, that brings about a certain degree of fondness because the game has improved in a lot of ways, and it's great in a lot of ways. Um, I think one thing that I lament due to the rise of analytics and the focus on it, uh, both from the fan and the, and the team perspective is, you know, what kind of is like the hardenification of, of the game, which is when you truly only go for efficiency, um, almost like in the baseball, almost like a three true outcome where it's three layup or foul shot. And and you take it to the extreme, so you get what I consider kind of the ugly, worst version of NBA basketball, which was like kind of peak hardened rockets, even yeah. to some extent. I, I think he's funner to watch because he does certain things in a different way. But I think Luca kind of borders on this sometimes where it's like it's three layup foul and whereas it used to be, and this is where I get to mellow. It was about craft. And one thing about Carmelo Anthony was like, he was a craftsman. 
He was an expert at the very little things that made him so special. Obviously, physically gifted, huge, just a tremendously large, strong person, wide shoulders, a really quick jumper, not a high jumper, but an extraordinarily fast jumper. Got up off the floor so quickly, which allowed him to get so many offensive rebounds. And um, there were obvious physical gifts, obviously just the hand-eye coordination to shoot the way that he shot. But but Melo perfected the footwork and the pivots and the pump fakes um, that made his mid-range game so devastating, one of the best we've ever seen. And yes, we've moved away from him, which is why one of the reasons I think his legacy is so complex is because we've moved away from that style of basketball, um, but not always in good ways. Yeah. Not always in good ways. And, uh, you know, there's like accounts like, you know, ball don't stop is like the most extreme version who like he's a he, he mostly just like has these ridiculous pontifications and, and, and rants that don't actually have any basis and any kind of nuanced thinking. But but he does have a point at times where because of the numbers focus and because of the efficiency focus, we have lost a bit of the craft. The craft now is more how do I create threes or get to the free throw line because that's efficient. But is that what I want well, to watch? Right. And that's what Mello to me, like a master, a total master of his craft. I loved watching him to learn from him. Like I, this was when I was playing competitive ball. Like there, I would go to the gym and work on some of those pivot moves and work on some of that footwork and work on that pump fake like that. Like he taught me a lot because of how tremendously um, in tune he was with the kind of the fundamentals of scoring. Uh, and that's something that I think gets maybe overlooked a bit and that I appreciated about him. It's funny though, cause I'm hearing you talk about this and you're talking about the craft and you're talking about the footwork and you're talking about all of that stuff. And guess what's coming to my mind is a guy who just scored 80 points in the last two games. The Knicks played It's Jalen Brunson. And I'm yeah. thinking, well, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is one, Jalen Brunson does that at a level of efficiency. I mean, look, for what he did, there aren't there weren't 10 guys in the sport that could have done what he did more efficiently than I, there may not have been two guys in the sport that did specifically what he did, the shots that he took. I'm talking about Melo more efficiently than he took because he took the toughest shots. They were only the t- like that's what he did. Yeah. And yet Brunson has kind of done it in a way where you look at his, you know, I mean, look, we all do. We look, you look at his effective field goal percentage at the end of the year and it's like, my God, how is he doing this at this size? And he has those numbers. And then there's the part of it where you look up and he's like, no, he's not, he's not Chris Paul. He's, you know, he's not Steve Nash, but it's six assists, seven assists, eight assists, eight assists. You know, he, he, he always seems to make the right play. And then you look at Mello and the efficiency numbers were, you know, a little lower than some of his peers. Again, as Andrew said to me when I was doing the live stream, who is he passing to? That's a fair thing. Um, and it's uh, side by side with that, the assist numbers. I mean, again, I think it's unfair that he came about in the same draft as LeBron James and has had and was had to measure himself unfairly against LeBron James for all those years. But like LeBron James is going to retire with, got, I don't know, 12,000 career assists, whatever it is. And Carmelo's like a quarter of that or whatever, whatever the, the number is. It's just like you say, there's nuance to, I think, the game. There's nuance to the discussion about this player. It's just he's a fascinating player to me. That's all. It's just, he's a you fascinating know, I, player. The the efficiency numbers, I you know, I had I haven't done the statistical deep dive. I don't, you know, it's just you know, going back ten years looking at the stats, just I, not something that I've done in the last few days since he announced his retirement. I will, you know, his 
at least I think he led many very efficient offenses. I mean, I think oh. if I recall, yes, absolutely. And so you know, and I think uh, both in Denver and New York, um, and it, and to me, it speaks to you know, there's more even even when you look at even when you look at efficiency, there's nuance, right? Because yes, what kind of threat he he provided on a nightly basis and the amount of attention that he, that he got throughout the league. I mean, he, 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 his sheer presence and threat created good offense for his teams, even not his direct assist. And you obviously look at the 2013 team and how that 2012, 13 team and how that whole ecosystem operated. It was basically at its heart. It was dump the ball to mellow, mm-hmm. wait for that double or drive into help. And then it was the swing, swing around the three point line. Now it might not have been his initial swing that got the shot, but how many, right? You, I mean, you could, you could picture it in your mind, oh. right? Copeland to kid to Felton for three, like all, you know, how many times do we see it? Um, and so, yes, his shooting numbers were not that efficient. Um, I think, and it's fair to criticize that. I, but I do think he was such a, such a constant force and, and um, threat to a defense and the amount of attention that he constantly drew, like that's why his offenses when he was at his peak were always very good, even when his shooting numbers themselves weren't necessarily elite. Yeah. It's um, he's a guy that I feel like as a shot maker, other, I mean, Kobe, T-Mac, you know, you want to put Durant in that con- I'm just thinking guys over the last 20, 30 years, but Durant goes in that conversation. Um, He's right there, you know, yep. and but but the he is thought of, I think, historically more a level down from a lot of those guys. And I think that gets into like what you're talking about, like, should he be really? And and that gets into the, the, the sad truth of it, which is that he he latched on with an organization that didn't know what the fuck they were doing for much of the time he was here. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunate, but um, and, latch, and latched on and latched on a half a season too early. Right. Which is always. Well, the always but, the shame of it. But that reminds so when Zach Lowe and, and Bobby Marks were just having a very brief conversation about him on the last pod, I thought the best point that anyone has made is like when this guy was a free agent a couple of times that he or when he was available on the trade block and then he was a free agent, like everybody wanted the guy. Every smart team wanted the guy because they they knew what you're talking about. It's like you put him on like we'll we'll figure it out, you know, just give us the guy and we'll we'll figure out the rest later. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Which is a good transition to uh, what we're watching What we're watching now. It's a... Yeah. Yeah, uh, a, a different sport, uh, you know, but at, at the same time, not really, because like, why? Why are the teams that are doing well 
doing well at their core, it's because they have. I mean, if we just want to talk about the two, t- well, we should say we're recording this. It's 8.07 p.m. I suppose the Boston Celtics could pull off the first 03 comeback in the history of. Don't let them get one. Don't let them get one, as they keep saying. Listen, I'm sure my uh, I'm sure Miami wants to end it tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially with Denver, but, especially with Denver wrapping it up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, of course. Um, anyway. You know, it's been two teams, Denver and Miami, um, on the backs of two guys who are playing the sport at the highest level that you could possibly play it. And uh, I think it's it's it is kind of funny that they were the thirtieth and forty. What was Jokic forty one? Was he? I think whatever it was. I think he was forty one, forty two, something like that. Uh, picks in the draft. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the playoffs? Just I, I I'm curious where your mind is at. Man, you know, it's it's been a really unique um, and fascinating playoffs. It's not what we're used to. I, you know, the Miami run is... It just makes you kind of reconsider whatever thoughts you had about what makes a championship caliber team. Um, yeah. And I think that's healthy. I think, you know, we often, when we talk about team building, we create these... Um, archetypes for championship teams and these, these categories of what it needs to look like and where you need to get to and how you need to play even. Um, I don't think any of it's true. <laughs> I, I think other than, other than you need a lot of talent, you need a lot of teamwork and chemistry and you, and you need some baseline level of good coaching. Like, I don't think there are any rules because years are very different and weird and, and the league changes, the rules change, the salary cap changes. It's very fluid and crazy things can happen. And you just need to do your best to build a team with the most possible talent on it, with the, with the best possible coaches that fits together well. I don't think there are really any other rules beyond that. You don't need X amount of stars. You don't need uh, to play five out. Like there are no rules. Just build a team that is coherent, that makes sense, and that has the most talent that you can put on it. And like, give yourself a shot. Like, I, I think that's, I don't know. It's opened my mind. I don't know how you how you think about it, but I, that, it, I think it's it's just really fascinating. I think about it like the, for, first of all, I think the most important thing that you said is the thing you kind of threw it threw in at the end. I'm not suggesting that you don't see the value in this, but you, again, you threw it at the end, which is the fit. And whenever when I've watched Miami, you know, it's almost like <laughs> I'm, okay, this this is this is analogy is going to be a stretch. I'm sitting here I'm, I, and I could see across from me my daughter's uh, little little box of blocks, and uh, it's one of these one of these things where it's uh, all different shapes blocks. There's squares, there's triangles, there's octagons, all kinds of craziness, and that box of blocks um, fits in just such that everything has its proper place. There is no wasted space. Yeah, There is nothing unnecessary about it. There is nothing uh, nothing doesn't fit. And you watch Miami. Are they the most talented team? God, no. I, I don't know. Are, is Miami one of the most 10 talented teams in the league this year? I mean, and that gets into the whole conversation like, what is talent? But like they fit so perfectly with what they're with what they've been able to do and as you've been pointing out recently with the whole Tyler Hero discussion 
the fact that all these guys who couldn't hit the far side of a barn for 82 games are suddenly hitting everything <laughs> matters quite a bit. Yeah. Um, that's a huge component of it, which like it's the shooting stupid. I, I want to come back to that for a sec, but like, and, and then there's the coaching because it's like, yes, they seem to fit, but they didn't fit the way they seem to fit by accident. That's all part of a plan. And it's part of an ecosystem that had to be designed. And like, it, it really does. It, it has opened my eyes up too. But at the end of the day, you have to have the engine. And I think the engine could look different. I think you could have a two-headed engine. You could have a three-headed engine. You could have a four-headed. I mean, you could have the Pistons in in two thousand four. I don't. I, more and more, I think maybe that team is less of an anomaly than has been made out to be. It's just they spread out the top tier talent across several players. Whatever, it, however you do it, you need to have the engine. If it's a, if it's, a, I, I don't, I don't know cars, but like one, two, three, four how, cylinders. Right? Engines have cylinders. Do you know, Benji? Why are you asking me that question? Oh my god! Okay, I thought maybe you knew. I'm glad that you are as ignorant about this. Is this why you bring me on the podcast? <laughs> you get the point. The point is that Miami. <laughs> I, did, I, I did just see Fast Ten uh, a couple days ago, and yet I still remain uneducated about well, that, cars. That lets you know that the Fast franchise is not doing its job. If you if that <laughs> exactly if right, the franchise doesn't teach you about cars. What is it doing? <laughs> it was uh, always meant to be educational. <laughs> seriously, they're really dropping the ball there. Anyway, um, you could do it in different ways. You could even argue that for as transcendent as Steph Curry is, and like obviously he's he is the thing that makes that go. That was really a th- more of a three headed thing because like you needed the clay part of it, you needed the Draymond part of it, and you you know you do it in all these different ways. Um, but you do need the talent at the top and then you do need the ecosystem under it. And I think what you just said is so smart because it, you can build it so many different ways. Uh, and yeah, I think that is the takeaway. Yeah, I think it's so, I mean, Den- Denver obviously did it in the more traditional sense where they were the best team in the regular season and they were able to coast a bit down the stretch. They came out like gangbusters in the playoffs. They've been the best team in the playoffs. Um, and like they have an all-timer. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the more, you so, know, and, and, and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy is legendary and is, but he's not, he's not this. I mean, Jokic is a different, is, is a different stratosphere of we're talking about if he keeps it up a few more years, an absolute all timer, you know, pushing top 20 kind of guy. Um, I mean, you want to talk about advanced stats that, the you know, pace that he is on at this age. I mean, and yeah. look, the, event, look, advanced stats love Jokic, but then if you like peel back the curtain a little bit, like, okay, well, why do they love Jokic? Or is it just do we need new advanced stats? Or maybe the advanced stats do know something. And this guy is in that, like, as you said, like top 15, 20 stratosphere of all time. And the other beauty of Denver, though, is around him and and he's kind of, he's an anomaly. He is an anomaly in the sense of where he came from and and how low in the draft he was selected and to be this good is is unprecedented from that position. <laughs> but uh, in terms of just how the team is built, but then, you know, they, they patiently built this thing like, and they have surrounded him with their own draft picks and some surrounding, you know, some free agents, some, some really smart targeted free agent signings in a market that you're not going to get the big free agents. I don't think. And it's a beautifully constructed team. I, I don't know about you. I watching that game. Last, I had some, one of the, that was one of the most like pure, wonderful experiences I've had watching a basketball oh, game. 
with That's- LeBron James, you know, putting up a, a 40 piece at 38 years old and trying to give it one last shot. And you're watching on the other side, just this be- this team that plays beautiful ball with a player who is transcendent and makes others transcendent around him. Uh, it was just like one of the, I was, it was, it was a joy to watch that game. And it's, it's just like, I, I look, I, I'm, I, I hope Miami closes it out and we get this Denver Miami finals. Cause I think it's an awesome contrast <laughs> and two teams that play really wonderful basketball. Um, but it, you know, on, on the Denver side, it's an exercise in some patience also and letting oh, yeah. someone build it. Um, and I, it also makes me think from our own team's perspective, what that means and what you allow to happen organically and, when is the time to change? If there is a time to change from, you know, that all, we're not going to have time to get into that tonight. And I'm sure we will at some point, well, but it's all, it's all an interesting study in what having a little bit of patience with the people that you trusted with the franchise can do. So what I was going to say, when you talk about the series and, and the game, I think that it's going to look NBA history will mark it down as a sweep because it's a sweep, but like in terms of, it's as it was as fun and entertaining a four a four zero sweep yeah. as, as you're ever going to see. Um, the patience thing is interesting, and I think that is look. There are examples of teams that have not had patience where clearly patience was warranted, both from a you could say from a coaching perspective, from a front office perspective, from a you know making rash trades and and things of that. Like look, you know. The original LeBron teams in Cleveland. I mean, you want to talk about an organization that like screwed it up every, I mean, from the moment they drafted him really up until the moment that he departed from Miami, they, they screwed it up 10 ways from Sunday, um, you know, in, in, in how they tried to, to build it. And then there are other examples of that. And then you look at an organization like, you know, the Spurs. Um, had a chance to get rid of Tony Parker. I forget what year that was, but maybe they had one. They had won in 99. They beat us in 99, but I think it, it was before their second championship, right? Because it was Jason Kidd was still in his prime and there was all that the flirtation with Jason Kidd. You know, eventually Tony Parker becomes an NBA Finals MVP. Is that what is that what people, you know, foresaw for him early on? No, many people probably didn't see that. And then I I personally I think he deserved the look as one of the 75 greatest players ever, but, but I digress. Um Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication, or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error, a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, 
Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Nick's Film School, our motto is look good, play good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. I think it is easier to have patience when you know you have the guy. And I think the Knicks right now, look, he may not be Nikola Jokic. He may not be even Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is just insane. Um, But Jalen Brunson... I I I got well, is is he a guy or is he the guy? And I, I after what we just witnessed in in terms of you know this playoffs, like do I think you could just surround Jalen Brunson with a bunch of role players and that's going to be enough? Like no, I don't think that. I think that there he is. He is first of all he's a small man, um, and I think that it takes a toll on him to do what he does in a way that it might not take a toll on a guy like Jokic or even Jimmy Butler who's built like a brick shit house, uh, but like. So I think that part of it factors in, but I really do think, and, and this is the part that we really haven't talked about, and I'm just want to get your perspective and then we'll get out of here. Like, how big of a takeaway is it for you in this larger team building conversation we're having that we just saw what we what we saw from Jimmy Butler? No, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brunson. Oh, it's it's everything. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't have any doubt whatsoever that he was going to be a star of the playoffs because I've seen it and there was nothing that he do, did in the regular season. It's not like, <laughs> right. It's not like James Harden where you're so reliant on, on step backs and getting to the free throw line and some antics that like it may not translate, right. Jalen Brunson plays heavy isolation basketball all the time. Like he plays a playoff style in the regular season. And he is extremely good at it. So I had zero doubts. He may have even exceeded my expectations with what he did in that series with very little support. Um, But I will say him having no support is not divorced from his limitations. That's like, like what makes Jokic different and, and, and so a lot of things. That's a stupid intro to a sentence. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of things make Jokic different. But like what uh, in terms of this contrast, 
you could put the same role players around and the Miami plays that same defense that they played and Jokic is finding corner shooters with ease that are being abandoned. Now, the Knicks they weren't making shots, but they weren't getting necessarily the best shots all the time for their best shooters. And Brunson just, he gets in his isolation zone. At, he's a certain size and the best shot you're going to get sometimes is Jalen Brunson pull up, which is a really good shot. But it's, that's the level that he's not quite at, which is I'm also simultaneously making all of my teammates better all the time. Now that again is reserved for the very best players in basketball, like the top five, six players in the game that do that consistently. Um, that he's not quite there. Now is he, I think like a solidified is like the top 20 guy. Yeah. I, to show me another guy who put on that performance in the second round of playoffs against that defense. He's that good. He's that special. He is if not the guy, he's well, he could be one A, but like yeah. he is that good, and it it I think both things are true. I think he solidified himself as that guy that you build around, and I think that's for sure the case. And I also think it showed you maybe where the difference is between that and then the guy like Jokic and even Jimmy to some extent, very in a different way. But but Jimmy, I think, is able to create for others in a way that Brunson can't quite do, and. I do think that there was something just from a like, I, I don't want to, you know, do the, yeah, I'll do it. The hashtag heap culture standpoint. The fact that Jimmy Butler also is like just such a badass on the other end of the floor, too. I, I do think that kind of like infects the water there and it, it has a very positive um, effect on everything else that they do. So, yeah, I mean, I think you just said it in like, you know, we're talking about there's different ways to, to, to skin a cat here really the challenge for this front office and I don't know if they're going to be able to in fact almost certainly will not be able to check all of these boxes this summer is like find the co-star that can amplify Brunson as opposed to you know not you know and and I think that's maybe not not that that's gonna be hard but I you know it's like you don't get always get to pick and choose your star and then once you have that I actually I think once you have that I think filling out the rest is probably going to be a little easier. Um, but yeah, I do think that that next step, it's a hard step. And, um, you know, we'll, and then that you'd said patience. That's where the patience comes in because there's going to be a star and probably multiple stars that will come on the market this summer. Will it be the right star um, to, to put this guy next to put next to this guy? And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's, it's also the patience of internal development and, like that's a balance and the Knicks have to figure it out. It's not an easy decision to make if, and when that trade or a trade or whatever comes onto their plates, if, if it's what they want to do, but you look again at the Denver model and you look at the Miami model, both teams, right? They have developed as well as anyone internally. Um, yeah. You look at Porter, you look at Murray um, and Murray's obviously, great success obviously Jokic and, and the Knicks have, Plenty of young talent. Now, maybe not the blue chippers or as high draft picks as those Denver guys, but Miami guys are freaking undrafted, half of them. And and again, they're playing key roles in a likely finals bound team. So there's no one way to do it. I think the Knicks, the, the, the luxury the Knicks have is that there are probably multiple ways they can find it. It's about not making the wrong decision if it comes, because that could derail your process. Because right now, yep, there are a lot of avenues open to this team. Um, and, 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 and there really aren't any staying put is not a bad option right now, Like you have a very good basketball team that you can develop and get better. And hopefully, and 
We'll talk about all of this at another time, but hopefully yeah. diversify a bit and and be able to play in a couple different ways so that come playoff time, you have some options when things aren't going on the offensive end. Um, and then if guys get better and can kind of support an offense more successfully, and we're talking about our young guys, like they could have won that series. Hell, it was a close cool oh, series. And then who the hell knows? Yeah. So like it's not they weren't far off this this year. No, I mean, no, you they know, weren't. You that, they weren't that far off. So I'm happy you said that. Yeah. You don't make don't do anything rash where you derail everything that's open to you as a franchise because right now you're in a really good spot. You have a superstar under contract, way under under market. You have a lot of good young pieces out there um, that you can either develop internally or move at some point. So like it's just about being patient jumping on the right opportunity if and when it arises, don't make the wrong decision. I think that's the offseason. That's for me, the offseason fear going forward here this summer is like, don't do something stupid that derails a good thing that you have going. And to bring it full circle and mm, talk about a 10-year anniversary that I, I don't want to celebrate, don't trade for Andrea Bargnani. <laughs> don't, please don't. <laughs> I don't know where Andrea Bargnani is, but is that my ne- is that my next Twitter thread? Is the Andrea Bargnani debut break breakdown? <sighs> Goodness, that was, that was not fun. All right, you got to get out of here to uh, play some actual basketball. Uh, Benjamin Ritholtz, uh, you're the man. Anything before you go? Uh, no, you know, uh, just to, to shout out something I, I'm hoping to do once the finals hit is I'm hoping to like put out. Um, I haven't decided exactly what it's going to look like yet, but put out kind of a. What can we learn as from from these teams as the Knicks? Like what what can we take from it? So I'm gonna put out be putting out threads. Hopefully after each game, we'll see. I don't know exactly how yet. I'm still thinking about kind of and brainstorming it, but uh, keep an eye out for those because I hope they'll be kind of educational and fun and interesting and a different way to watch the finals that can relate to uh, to this team. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Excited. Yeah, everybody should be excited for that. I'm excited for it. And I uh, hope you were excited to listen to and enjoy another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We will be back with you uh, with more funny games uh, very soon. Stay tuned. I think we got a, a live stream thing possibly with uh, me coming uh, tonight. So, yeah, check your check your Twitter feed for, for more information on that. Uh, until then, we will talk to you soon. Peace out. So stay mellow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.